0: Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. Today, I'm speaking to Carl the Crusher, who is well known for his research at Blind Frog Ranch, the Mesa in Utah, Utah uh, Basin, and the Paranormal in general. He has over 3 million subscribers on one of his YouTube channels alone. But Carl remains humble as he shares a great deal about his life and
1: adventures with the public.
0: Thank you for coming to talk to me today, Carl.
1: Oh, thanks, Dad. It's my pleasure. (laughs) It's fun to get to hang out and uh, share all of our experiences and thoughts on it all.
0: I know there really is a lot. Uh, I know that a lot of people are really interested in your work at what you call the Magic Mesa. um, And that's something that you've spoken to people a lot about lately. But as you know, I actually originally asked you to come on so we can compare notes about meditation.
1: <laughs> Let's, yeah, and we should talk about that because a lot of the updates about the Magic Mesa are really interesting. I actually figured out uh, just like uh, the last time that I was there, I finally got uh, military grade night vision and went back over a lot of the debunking stuff that we had done several times and probably half a dozen times. And realize that there's one particular spot where if somebody turns down a road, and they leave their brights on, that it can almost exactly replicate the lights on the mesa phenomena. So, a lot of the the stuff that uh, the family's been experiencing there, uh, that they were considering paranormal, we were able to solve for them. And okay, so kind it of was cars. it was, it was cars. cars in the distance. Yeah, but what's interesting is how the whole valley is. Uh, and this is the same thing at like that I found sort of at Skinwalker Ranch and also up at Blind Frog, is that mm-hmm. uh, there's tons and tons of Native American and historical artifacts and evidence that goes back thousands of years and petroglyphs mm-hmm. and all kinds of fascinating stuff mm-hmm. that does make it really intriguing. And I've had you know meditation experiences while researching in that valley that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all been tied to that heavily and so even if the lights on the hillside ended up being kind of like a, a big you know distraction or whatever they ended up being just headlights in the distance uh you know for the years worth of kind of supernatural experiences that i've had in that valley still have me kind of hooked and wanting to go back and figure out <laughs> what's going on there and where all the petroglyphs point because if it's not the mesa with the lights on it then i'm like Why is there all these ancient relics there that are lining up with that? I'm still super curious about it, you know?
0: There's so much that I wish had been recorded effectively for people, um, but it's still carried on in Native American um, tribal oral history. Um, Actually, sometimes dances represent interactions Mm -hmm. with what we would call the paranormal. They might not they might not call it that <laughs> yeah. but, but um i actually went into a deep dive on um stories of indigenous people mm. um not just native american um but um native australian um and south american Very cool. and um i don't know if you've read Artie six killer clark's books um but i'm very interested in the conversations you've had with some indigenous people in the area um, because one thing i will say that i've seen or read from those books and um, my research is that these issues of abduction and um interactions are pretty much the same across the board um Mm -hmm so you you go to australia and you speak to indigenous people there they're seeing the same things they're having the same fears they're having the same experiences you go to south america same thing native americans in in the north american continent same thing so Mm -hmm. what are some of your um, experiences with talking to indigenous people have they told you some of the stories of the star and sky people and giants and so
1: forth yeah, definitely. In a lot of private conversations, I have that uh, very interesting sort of dialogue that opens up once you kind of gain that trust and everything, but it does have to be gained. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, they'll they'll tell you almost like they're talking to a toddler if uh, they don't really want you to know things, and, and I understand that. Some of their teachings in the places where I realize that I'm poking around is really close to like a Native American burial. And so it's kind of like Mm. they don't really want me to find it, you know. And so I kind of sense that. And I try to intuitively be really respectful to all of that and uh, keep my nose out of a lot of that business. But, you know, I do hear those stories when I do finally uh, get the trust. Uh, Sometimes people, you know, I'll ask them, what are these petroglyphs? overhear me and I'll send them some pictures and a lot of times they're like oh it's nothing it's just water or a sign where there was uh, something dug underground or whatever something simple like that or hunting grounds but then other people when you when a lot of times when I offer experiences of my own that are more spiritual based or I start off with a question like that like you know I've been having these sorts of dreams and I have questions about them and they'll be like, oh, because they realize that that's very similar to some of their belief systems or that has to do with the the area that I'm researching and then they'll help me. And then they'll, they'll tell me stories of the star people. I've flat out been told about uh, the ant people as well and, and portals and been told where not to go. I've been... Uh, told a lot of different stories about that, uh, even uh, accounts where to go to have. And then I've had things explained to me sort of their beliefs about that and and uh, to help me resolve some of the encounters I've had in, in my life of camping and stuff as well. So it's it's been interesting. Um, all of that kind of comes out once you have the trust, but it's guarded and it depends on where you're poking around and if you're handling it with respect or not, I think.
0: Yeah, I recently spoke to a shaman and I asked him, do you think the elders will pass this knowledge on? And there's concern that some of it won't get passed. um, Some of it will be guarded so much that it won't be conveyed, which would be a true loss, because I think what people are not realizing is that this oral tradition is the oldest record we have because yeah. unfortunately, you know, not, we didn't have writing <laughs> back yeah. when these things were happening, right? Um, so some of them have kind of played out to be understandable. Like we kind of understand later what they were trying to say with their story. Yeah. Um, so, an example, for instance, would be Um, one of the indigenous Australian um, researchers that I looked at, she said, you know, we have a story about this monster that was um, scaring people. And we would tell people to keep them away from a certain area. And it turns out, at the same time that we were probably starting this story, there was this particular creature, and it's like a creature that's now extinct. I don't remember what it was called. So there's a, a... significant grain of truth to these stories these oral traditions i don't even know if i like to use the term folklore with it anymore right because you know i think that kind of demeans it a little bit um especially when you when you see that they're being consistently told across the entire planet you know the same stories
1: yeah Yeah, even over in the nordic cultures the the Vikings and everything, you see the same kind of similarities that you see across the board. Almost like either these gods or entities or these encounters uh, Mm -hmm. that we consider paranormal or that occurred in ancient times were some sort of a global event or that was a transient mobile Mm -hmm. thing that moved around and interacted at one time with every major civilization on the planet. But you see these same things or Maybe it kind of speaks to the inner demi urges of the human soul that sort of come out you know this kind of Hindu ideology where all the gods actually represent uh, inner aspects of the human soul and and your different appetites and issues and problems and but when you really take it in raw form that there's like there was some kind of an interaction that happened in ancient times that was significant enough and the record is there and I agree because What's what you find when you go to these petroglyph sites, and I've been to dozens and dozens of them all over the place, across Nevada, Arizona, uh all across the state of Utah and looked at tons of them. And you know what I rarely find is mm. is carvings and depictions of normal daily life. Right. <laughs> rarely. Rarely. Right. That's what they put on the brochure and what they put on the website. They'll put like a picture of a goat or something or an an antelope. But then when you go up there and you go a little bit further and you look around and you're Mm -hmm. actually willing to hike it out. Holy smokes. I mean, you find all kinds of crazy stuff and layers and layers of culture that could go clear back to, you know, the paleo era when they were hunting mammoths. if If you know where to go, it's pretty wild.
0: And, you know, as someone who's also kind of dabbled in anthropology while looking at the UFO phenomenon, you find out not only did we have a lot more hominids all over the planet than people realize, um, but they were here as homo homo sapiens a lot older, a lot longer than people realize. They're still finding earlier and earlier homo homo sapiens. uh, Like, ends, of course, the the our our other uh let's say cousins <laughs> like you know neanderthal <laughs> and um donovan Deni- i think is what it is and- yes thank you yeah. and then there's another one that they're still trying to find that they know the dna is there but they haven't found the skeleton so right of course my theory is that bigfoot's a hominid that we just haven't uh he's all over the world too it's so weird to me like when you do the research you see it you see all over the world and all all these uh beliefs are similar just little people with different names all over the world Mm -hmm. there's bigfoot with different names all over the world ghosts all over the world orb sightings all over the world uh even the different uh, entities and spacecraft that everyone thinks is american no all over the (laughs) world like i some of the stories I was reading from Artie's uh, book included tic tacs. Like right. they were very specific, and this was before the tic tac was like the big thing that everyone talked about. Yeah, but then I knew that anyway because I read the FOIAs. I wish people would read those.
2: <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> well, tic tacs have been around a long time, but yeah, like so they, they were talking about tall beings and short beings and. Both being together, you know, like just so it's very, I would say the word consistent. You know, despite you know race, culture, nationality, you know, it's consistent. So that has to be something. It has to mean something. Yeah, in my
1: opinion. And it also makes you kind of distrust the common narrative and. accepted historical line because what you find when you're actually out there looking at the evidence yourself doesn't really line up. A lot of it seems like it, it sounds funny, but I've had these conversation with a lot of other people on hikes when we're looking at some of the evidence and laughing to ourselves. But it seems almost like the way that people were living and how people were getting around, speaks to the water levels and the riverways and everything being way different and the landscape being vastly different. And we put that timeline clear back in the dinosaur era like 240 million years ago when the water level would have been that high. But when you look around and you actually hike up in these canyons, it's like, uh, I don't know. It all starts to feel like these people were getting around on reed boats and the Phoenicians were here and maybe the The Vikings even came all the way over and there was this giant, you know, maybe even the Romans, there's talks about up in the Uinta Basin that and in Superstition Canyon that part of the Western Empire of Rome during Alexander the Great was maybe clear over here in the Americas, who knows? But it's funny the stuff that people find in some of those, yeah, like you said, the oral histories of the locals and stuff that you hear.
0: And you, and you hear about these civilizations that were built, like the um, Mayans, right? They had just yeah. all these huge cities, and then they just abandoned them. Yeah. You know, they just walked away. <clears throat> Why? Why did they just walk away? Um, you also hear, if you um, do some digging into Native American stories and South American stories, this constant narrative that the world has been cleansed multiple times Mm -hmm. and you can only imagine that that has to do with maybe natural disasters um maybe you know something like what happened to the dinosaurs you know it's just the cleansing of the planet was significant enough that they basically counted them they said that we're about to hit like the fifth one or something Mm -hmm. and i've seen it in multiple sources so yeah that oral tradition uh is telling us something if people are listening
1: right yeah the story of the flood is a super common one yeah Mm -hmm. there's even depictions on some of the petroglyphs that people think are like volcanoes and they look like volcanoes erupting and maybe some of them are but they also look like like uh, geysers of water shooting up and floods like um uh, like they talk about a mud flood and you can get into all kinds of weird side theories about fossils and strange things with that that i don't necessarily agree with fully Mm -hmm. but the idea of there being a big disaster associated with a flood i don't i don't know if i can tie that directly to like biblical accounts but there is a lot of evidence for that that maybe at one time everybody was getting around easily by boat in a lot of these places that what we we consider slot canyons even the grand canyon and up in the in these basins where there's salt flats and big dry lake beds Mm -hmm. i think those were were obviously all underwater when there was humans getting around and the record doesn't say that the historical record doesn't say that but i think they were getting around on boats and reed boats and all different cultures were all over the globe uh exploring the place and so how those cultures mixed and matched and took advantage of each other. The evidence is all over the place and right. their spiritual cultures clashing and how that affected things is really fascinating because it makes you wonder how many relics right. and all kinds of stuff is stashed around too. So I have, I've
0: been kind of playing with this hypothesis and this one's just for me, but um, this idea that at, at some point it's hypothesis Okay, this is a separate hypothesis. It's believed that all of humanity um, was a very small group between 1 and 20,000 um, homo homo sapiens. That's really small compared to what we are now. Yeah. Um, so we were probably pretty close to extinction at the time. And the people who have this thought believe it was a natural disaster that caused us to be in that situation um they call it the genetic bottleneck theory yeah so i my thought is if we were just this really small group at the beginning that survived that natural disaster we probably had some kind of belief system already in place um and which is why we end up with all of these parallel religions um so for instance prometheus is parallel to uh satan or lucifer you know fell from the sky, uh, was put into disgrace for helping humanity. And there's so many other similar stories, much like Prometheus, you know, like like like...
1: Loki and uh, uh, Hermes, Trismegistus is kind of one of them. And then also uh, Thoth uh, from Egypt. Yeah, all kind of the same archetype. Right. And
0: then there's also the concept that we were created by clay. We were from clay. You know, that's that's across at least three religions. I think in the Bible it says from dust, but some people say it's translated wrong and it should be from Earth, which is the same as clay. And, you know, it's like that's in multiple religions. So, you know, and then the flood in multiple religions, of course, there could have been multiple floods. But I'm just thinking that we were once a small group with a core set of beliefs um um, if if you look at almost every religion has beings that came from the sky right Right. so that was probably part of those core beliefs and then we separated somehow we spread out right We we populated the planet um but i really think just when it comes down to it some of the beliefs we have are probably from our beginning
1: yeah Yeah, like imagine if some sort of disaster occurred to where all those fjords and waterways where all these salt flats are suddenly uh, rushed out or dried up, like uh, like Bonneville Lake suddenly cracks with some meteorite impact or earthquake, and then who knows, you know, all of that drains out back into the ocean and these areas suddenly become separated. They used to be these entire connected civilizations that were vast and now they're separated and uh, fraught with disaster because probably right. a lot of their areas were wiped out in the process of everything. So right. yeah, and but, so you see the evidence everywhere uh, that connected everybody, but the, the pockets now have evolved into sub- such separate little cultures that have little similarities in their history. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah, one of the things that's interesting is this um they say the aboriginal uh culture which I don't think they like that term by the way. <laughs> I I <laughs> prefer indigenous Australian. Yeah. Um the cultures there is like that's one of the oldest civilizations ever. They're saying that they were there maybe 50 000 to 70,000 years. But there's nothing to to indicate exactly when they arrived. We don't know. We don't have a time machine, right? And yeah. someone put out the thought that maybe they were the first ones and then they went to Africa, you know, like some of their uh, people went to Africa and populated Africa and then everyone came from there, you know. There's so many different possibilities. I really do wish we had that time machine so we could go find out.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know. A lot of people just think that it goes back into one kind of straight bottleneck, but really as far back we know in evolution, the branches don't quite all the way converge. You have like the Denisovians, and you Mm -hmm. have the uh, Neanderthals and then you have uh, like these other little pocket groups that we all have kind of existing at the same time. And -hmm. what's funny, even kind of interbreeding in certain locations. But then beyond that, it gets, there's like some gaps and some weird stuff that we don't really have quite cleared up. You know, I was just reading about how They just found like a 40,000-year-old green bracelet that has uh, indications it has a hole drilled in it that looks like it was drilled through with uh, like a high-speed drill, but it obviously wasn't like a machine tool, but some kind of an advanced tooling. And so we think that like a long time ago, these people were just running around with Clubs and stones, but they were artistic and still expressing themselves even 40,000 years ago. And even the petroglyphs, you know, show that they look like stick figures, but if you even got one of those stones and brought it home and tried to do it with a power tool, I mean, I would challenge anybody to, to do it. It's not easy. I don't know how they did it. I mean, these it's a different kind of intelligence, you know, than, than right. what we consider. But and yeah then some, the, something happened that fractured them all yeah uh-huh. and then we
0: had the building of pyramids all over the world and uh gigantic sculptures that no one could physically move like you know we just we don't know and we yeah. don't and why don't we you know that's the part that really gets me why didn't we know why did we have to relearn those things why did it disappear from our knowledge why is it That it seems like that they were developing batteries a long time ago and then we just forgot how to do it like you know and then had to do it again like what why are there cycles about this like and and if people were to talk to um certain indigenous people they'd be offended by the idea that people always say it's extraterrestrials because humanity really did have this knowledge for some reason and then it kept getting lost
1: right Yeah, when you if you want to explore some of the like fun theories around it, it makes you wonder if you know like if they were able to move those stones and build the pyramids and had the ambition to do that, and that what if you know what if these catastrophes happened and they went to Mars and civilized there and then came back and it's Mm -hmm. all we don't even know because. You know, there's a lot of questions about how old the Sphinx is and how far back human existence is. And why are some of these places, you know, like that are over 30,000 years old, like Gobekli Tepe, why did they build them? And they're so intricate and huge, but then they just bury it in the sand. Like what happened? I, I almost wonder if if our planet itself was like in a different place in the solar system or in the galaxy where... The, the electromagnetic field of the earth was just amplified or something was different in that atmosphere to where reality was just different, you know, more magical or elevated in such a way or human potential was amplified. And then maybe now we just have sort of this sense of ley lines or these hot spots or zones that kind of still resonate or have like, linger like a residue from that time period, but it's not the same as back then when things were much more amplified and maybe mystical. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to point out a couple of things. The first being that um, the dinosaurs supposedly had a different level of oxygen than we do right um, So like if we were to go back to visit a dinosaur and you know Jurassic Park clearly just ignored this fact, we might not be able to breathe we might pass out you know or you know we might have too much oxygen and pass out you know just the the oxygen level the atmosphere was different back then the earth has changed it shifts the magnetic poles shift you know the 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 earth is rotating all the time it's moving through space things change but i have heard of course that uh, there might have been a time when uh, there was a field around mars um there might have been a time when it was protected also and able to sustain life which is of course one of the reasons nasa is so interested in it right so because they think there's evidence of that um and spend
1: like a bajillion dollars to find out you know (laughs) (laughs) right yeah what if there's some kind of uh advanced empire or civilization that moves through or its planet comes close to ours you know there's theories of that in a lot of the ancient writings you know the the stories of planet nibiru where the anunnaki supposedly kind of like hop back and forth so that when their planet gets close to ours then they they jump down and kind of take over for a phase and then leave again and that kind of accounts for a lot of our cultures and interactions and a lot of this stuff I don't know. We're 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 sort of all left with this weird amnesia, and I don't think there's any one person alive on the earth today that really knows. Maybe there is, but they're in positions, maybe in in the government underground, in places where they're not allowed to tell us. So who knows? Um, I wish it was that cool. I wish that you know the government <laughs> knew, but I really
0: get the feeling that they don't. You know, I, so yeah, I think they have the same amnesia. And the the parallel interesting part to that is how often you hear, like, people who are channeling, supposedly, or mystical, making the statement, remember who you are. And the people who have near-death experiences come back and say that we're supposed to remember who we are. And, like, you know, wouldn't it just be more helpful for someone to tell us already? You know, like, come on, just tell us. Like, I have theories. I have ideas. But... We just need someone who, who actually we can trust to just come and be like, this is what's going on. This isn't that big a deal. It's pretty normal. You know, stop freaking out. <laughs> you know?
1: So have you, have you had any of those encounters yet, Deb? Like when you have meditated or, you know, gone adventuring in your meditations, have you had any? Right encounters so is, and then we can get into that because i think yeah i've discovered sort of a theme to the interactions that i've had that right. makes me so wonder about that question
0: so that's where things get interesting because you know i i feel like there are a lot of things that people are saying connect um so people talk about a collective consciousness right um i and then i i heard this is a hypothesis i was going to tell you about and i have to look up the name of the gentleman who has this hypothesis but i call it the paranormal network hypothesis Mm. so my thought is that there is something something like an electromagnetic field that you can connect to and get information from this is very similar to people calling uh, something the akashic records Mm. you know there's other terms for this but You know, I do feel like when people meditate, they access that somehow. Um, Mm. Other people, by the way, suggest that it's not meditation, but perhaps going into a trance, something even a little bit deeper than a meditation, because meditation is just supposed to be about calming down and soothing. But just about every time I do meditate, which, by the way, I try to avoid sometimes, (laughs) like every time I do, I just like hop into this other place. You know, it's really strange. It's not like I'm just trying to calm down. It's like I'm immediately somewhere else. I'm being pulled somewhere else, yeah. and I don't really have a lot of control like like when you daydream, you control what you're daydreaming um, that is not what's happening in these experiences yeah. um, so um, uh, before I go into this too much more, we have a DJ yo what's up DJ Oh, okay. <laughs> DJ, will be back in a bells. moment. Okay. I'm going right. to mute the DJ until he's ready.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. So, um, yeah, so I was saying that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of parallels, which makes me really think about that collective consciousness thing.
1: Yeah. I, um, I think I I struggled in the beginning with this idea of the Akashic records. And I think that that comes from, like there wasn't like a modern way of visualizing it with a good metaphor or like a visualization. And I think when people talk about it in today's terms, we often compare reality to like the matrix or the simulation theory. Mm -hmm. And people can grasp that a little bit better because we, Everybody's played virtual reality and they know what that's like to be like in an immersive environment. Mm -hmm. That's like a dream that seems real, but isn't and all that stuff. But the Akashic Records, I think of more like a like a solid state drive. Like you have a hard drive that has every single possible outcome and all of the information like a solid perfect block of energy where nothing is out of place and everything is already fulfilled mm-hmm. but then there's us as individuals kind of in that and and you think of us mm-hmm. like a like a little antenna down within that giant collective field of everything of really the all and our individual perspective gives us this illusion or sense of separateness or like a An individual sense of self and perspective Mm -hmm. and we have a whole story and a timeline that we're moving through that energy and so I think most of the time in the daytime when we're awake and living our life out we're sort of locked into that individual point of view like I'm a person with a name and this whole story but then when you go into these altered states of consciousness through deeper levels of meditation um and explore that or have out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences suddenly it seems to pop you loose from your antenna or from the the housing of your body and then you experience the greater field of energy kind of like jumping outside the walls of the matrix and surfing the information of the source you know and so this idea of being able to remote view or to to see past lives or alternate lives or skip around and read other information and get downloads or have spiritual encounters. It's all within like possibility when you fathom that, like that that could happen. So this idea of the Akashic Records being like a library where everything that could ever happen is all written within there and every possible story in the multiverse is, for me, a little bit easier to think of it like, everything that could exist existing in like a field of energy or a giant right or whatever. yeah i, I like
0: yeah. to put some science behind some of these things too like i really think a lot in terms of em and energy yeah. um i think it makes sense i think of this experience this uh you know kaushik records kind of experience this paranormal network kind of experience is literally a physical thing that you're connecting to yeah um But then I have like these weird moments where I'm like, what if, (laughs) if, because there's only so many bodies that your consciousness can enter, you end up reliving the same life in all the universes. Like you're going into the same body in all the different universes. Like it's all the dimensions, you know, just because there's a lack of availability, you know? And but then you also hear about like possibly two souls entering the same body, um, you know, uh, someone losing a soul, you know, like, you know, so many different things that happen with this, this idea. And I do agree that people understand this concept more now because they see things like the Matrix or they play video games and it makes sense to have an avatar and be immersed in another world with it um like the purpose of that i don't know grant cameron said to us that it was because
1: god was bored and needed entertainment (laughs) there's you know that's one way to look at it i kind of you know i had this sort of experience like have you guys ever done meditations where you've done it in total isolation where you put like a blindfold on and gone into complete darkness have you ever done that before dj no i never No, sir no well, what no, do you sorry. think what do you think happens after about 30 to 45 minutes what your subconscious mind starts you know starts to do when there's no input, you know. First of all, it gets like really exploratory of everything within your body. You can hear your heart beating, you can even hear like mm-hmm. almost like your ears trying to hear things and the static white noise of the universe almost. But then you'll literally start to almost like see faces and hallucinate almost like you would compare to someone, uh, with schizophrenia and you'll hear things and voices and see almost apparitions and stuff. And then if you compare that to when you're dreaming at night, like let's say we all go to bed tonight and go to sleep and then you find yourself in a dream and you're in a room in a house full of furniture, then you have to ask yourself like what is everything in that dream actually made of if it's not made of your own subconscious kind of projected outside of yourself you know yeah and so i don't know it kind of like i wonder if that's a clue and like we were talking earlier what's funny is how how science is kind of coming full circle to all of this and it fits right. with this matrix theory because the matrix and virtual reality and it being a simulation is it all makes sense and and is free to do if it's all a psychic experience if it's all coming from a, if everything in reality is type of meditation really or like if you if you could fathom that this is just the most physical version well, the, cru- just, the, the crust edge of it i don't know yeah i
0: i feel like it's more like um we do have like this little ball of energy that's our soul or yeah. our consciousness and it, ha- it wants to go somewhere and like it ends up somewhere, you know, yeah. and it's some design behind that. So I feel like those are kind of innately what I believe, what I know is different. You know, I know there's a, you know, the, the, there's a lot of gaps is what I know. There's yeah. a lot of gaps in that. But but I also am aware that scientists are looking at things like the biofield. Now they're measuring the photons that emit from us they're yeah. acknowledging that we are bioelectrical beings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, like what is the difference between us and a robot? You know, that's something I think about. There's
2: a big difference, Deb. I don't need WD-40. I just, Whatever. I, 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 I do. That's all. I do. Do you have,
1: do you have uh, do you have fish oil up in your cupboard, DJ? Do you take that glucosamine the co- chondroitin? I, I,
2: yes, and the coconut oil tablets as well. For
1: your joints. I mean, like no, seriously, though, are our cells
0: really right. that different from like nanobots? Not really, right? They're basically, our cells are basically nanobots.
2: What concerned yeah. me about what you said earlier, Deb, is you talked about, you know, living the same, you know, your consciousness goes to another lifetime over again. And I, I was like, what if, my consciousness goes into another lifetime in another reality and like sears isn't open and like you know because it closed down i can't get craftsman tools i mean right. i think there's some really big concerns there
0: well that's that's you why know? the pe- people use the mandela effect as an example of why they think that could be a thing like uh like uh they compare um items that people strongly believe now this is how it was and then and then people are shown the true item and they're like no wait that's not right and it's because there's a possibility that they learned it differently in another dimension you know that's what is implied but but this idea that i had about this came from listening to some near-death experiences um, and things that people said and the one that struck me was a man that died he saw a wheel come to him and the wheel was rotating and the wheel basically picked him up and and he had to choose which dimension essentially he would come back out of when yeah. he survived dying and i'm like well maybe there is something to that like maybe like because i was told by a couple mediums there are so few physical bodies that we can enter and tons and tons of consciousness, consciousness. that wants to enter so what if that they just kind of made this deal? Well, you can't go into a ton of bodies because they're just not a ton available. So you just might have to keep using the same one, but you can have different experiences because we'll plop you into different dimensions each time.
1: That's a, my problem in DJ's is that when we die, it's not a wheel in the sky that shows up to carry us through another dimension. It's kind of a, like a short bus with flat tires yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> just like i wrote to middle school on uh yeah but you know uh i, I want to ask you guys if there's a connection i don't know if you guys saw i can't remember what station it was on but basically it was about these children who were able to relive past lifetimes like there's one kid who's like i was a fighter pilot in world war ii and they're like no you weren't and like he could end up telling him things he actually was able to they took him to the spot yeah. where uh, he had crashed off of Iwo Jima, you remember that kid? One of them was, um, one of the kids was uh, uh, an actor, a very obscure actor that he said he was, that you could not have known the name of this actor. I mean, like he was, he was one of those bit players in like the thirties. So did you guys see that? And is that what we're looking at? Is what you're discussing, is that yeah. it right there? There's so, so much been- of that, yeah. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of cases, like a ridiculous number. I think the Archives of the Impossible talked about that a little bit. Leslie Keen did the documentary that I think that everyone saw that in, um, and that was on Netflix. Um, Netflix, thank you. It was yeah.
2: Netflix, thank you. Great, right.
0: I can't remember what it was called right now, but um, I had heard about it before, because when you ask children when they're very young, sometimes they say things that they know that they shouldn't know. Um and sometimes it's more extreme and you can ask them questions about this alleged life and they're accurate the, the answers are accurate so yeah. they've done a lot of research on that actually and i will say that that is like evidence of the possibility that you know we do move from body to body sometimes i just don't think we get that many you know i think a lot of people think it goes all the way back but there's just not that many available and maybe some of us get chosen like it sounds kind of egotistical to say this but some of them us are lucky enough to even get chosen to have a body you know and to get more than one and to go on this path of evolution because everyone thinks when this happens we're doing it to learn something absorb something bring something back to the to the main source
1: yeah and nobody nobody really knows. We just have a lot of little glimpses, it seems, from a variety of experiences and then we can try to thread those together right. from from the near death experiences to, you know, little kids telling their stories to people from all over the world experimenting with uh, meditation at different levels and altered states of consciousness and people that even do that with, you know, medications and mm-hmm. stuff to try and explore it. And there is this strange common theme and the one common denominator is just us as humans and our human awareness and conscious connection with reality and you know that's kind of the biggest puzzle is you know what everything that's going on that we perceive in the universe outside of ourselves has to come through the the aperture of our witness and be noticed you know and even right there becomes a whole gigantic list of subjective experiences that occur like everything that you're seeing visually right now is flipped upside down and processed through these triangular and cones and rods and things and then goes back clear to the back part of your brain just as electrical impulses and then gets all flipped back over and the holes filled in a whole bunch of assumptions made and all of that can get hijacked with just simple illusions and magic tricks very easily. And even yes. you know electromagnetic headsets can can mess with that. So it makes oh, you yeah, they can make you stop talking. I watched the
0: guy well, do it. He like put the na- magnet there, and it just stopped his ability to talk.
2: Yeah, just shut it down. Nature and nurture, you know, because the nurture is you have to be able to place it in a box. And if it's something like weird and anomalous, your brain doesn't know what to do with it. So it picks the most likely scenario that it, that it knows about. Yeah. It'll
1: fill in the gaps and it'll take like your own subconscious expectations, you know, just like Mm. if you're walking in the dark and you see a snake on the trail and you're like, ah, and then when you finally turn your light on, you realize it's a stick and your mind filled in all those gaps until you actually turn the light on. So that whole relationship between the input and the, and the awareness is like an interesting relationship. And that. That edge of that relationship is what I'm really fascinated with.
0: You know, I have to point out something, though, that that's a good example that you gave, because why did your brain do that to protect you? Because it wanted you to be careful that there might be something that could bite you, right? Yeah. So our brains, when they when it does that, it's often for protection and maybe some of the things that we're not seeing we should be yeah. and we're evolving to see. For protection because more and more people are saying well you know I I don't know our ancestors said they saw a lot too so it's hard to say but you know like that goes back to what we were talking about the beginning of the conversation did they see everything then and did we lose that ability because oh this is a cool thing I'll tell you guys about I learned this in uh, college this guy was in my class which was um, a false memory class he taught me about wide angle vision which had nothing to do with false memory but he got an a on his paper anyway wide Mm. angle vision was this hunting method that was used um by an indigenous tribe where they would try to see everything all at once we our brains have a hard time with that so much data coming in but they were able to do it they would look at the like with a whole space at once you could try it right now guys look at everything all at once it's really hard
1: Get the peripheral
0: and the front all at once. I used to have
1: to do that uh, when I was doing karate competitively. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At the high level, you have to do that. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's not something we normally do. Our brains don't want to do that much work. Right. So maybe ancestrally, people were doing things like that and everything was clicking and then we just lost it. And then now we have to kind of relearn it and people are starting to try again. You know they're trying to look again.
1: Yeah, how many people do you know, Deb, that will go dance around a bonfire naked in the desert sun and in the cold for four or five days with no food or oh. water and blow on a oh, bone I... whistle? Unless you go to like Burning Man in Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: I don't know. Down, man. No, Let's do
1: it. <laughs> no, but I... you know, there, there, there's. I've met people, you know, who are tribal medicine uh, men and everything for. Native American tribes and and spirit dancers and stuff and they'll do that and I'm like, man, I haven't done that in a meditation. what kind of experiences are they having and with right. nature well, and, I'm, you know, I'm super knows?
0: envious of yogis if I had to like they just spent their whole life just trying to go reach the cosmos with their brain you know and then people just brought them food to do it yeah yeah why am I not like- a
1: yogi? Well <laughs> you know that sounds like a sweet deal right? <laughs> I know but that's an, another amazing point too is that these guys who the yogis you know like uh, one of the first ones who I really got obsessed with was uh, Ramana Maharshi it's a hard name to say but he wrote a whole bunch of books he when he was a young man he saw a lot of people like die in his village and stuff and of accidents and get sick and his grandpa and things and so he thought what is that like? And so he went like up in a cave and he was like, I'm going to like lay down and try to die. And he laid up there for like days and days and days and ended up having like a bunch of meditation visions and stuff and became like a yogi basically up in the, in the cave. Um, but what he talks about now, if you go and read his books is right in line theoretically and philosophically with like all the conversations about yeah like the matrix theory and simulation theory and quantum uh mechanics and everything like it's so fascinating to go read his stuff uh and realize that that far long ago this guy up in a cave just experiencing reality as raw as it can get was seeing glimpses of all this stuff you know and then we try to piece it all together now and, and figure it out that's interesting
2: you have to get in that state to get your mind to expand and consider other I mean we know it just from our own lives when we're just doing okay work, school, you know this that going from one thing to the next and we don't then you you can't really innovate anything you can't expand your mind or your thought process or 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 even really ponder hypothesis uh, hypotheses when you're not doing that but this came from, I'm going to shout out uh, Dave Smethers right now. He is uh, a great thinker. He's from the uh, UK Twitter group, uh, uh, hashtag uh, CabFamUK. And Dave uh, wrote a paper. I shared it with Deb. Remember that paper? I shared it with actually all of Cab. But basically in it, and what I want to ask you, Carl and Deb, also to react to this, is he's trying to think about how the uh and Giza you know the Egyptians were able to manipulate those blocks also i became aware i wasn't aware of the coral castle down there in homestead and that's a very recent example i mean that like kids were looking over the guy's fence and as as he's moving uh blocks of coral that it was not possible at least in our as we know uh mechanics and uh and physics for him to be able to move these things and set them into place so my question to you is david thinks that they figured out how to sort of harness energy and somehow levitate these blocks and it wasn't a mechanical thing with pulleys and ropes and all that stuff what's your take on that carl please how they uh, did that i
1: I think the evidence is that it has to do with the vibrational understanding yes. frequencies and harmonies yeah. something yeah. to do with the sense of like cymatics. I'm using a lot of words. I don't really have the terminology for it because that's not my field. But it seems to me like every time I get into these ancient locations based on my own personal experience, a lot of times I find them by hiking along and I'm like clapping my hands or whistling. And then suddenly it sounds like I clap and there's 20 other claps that occur. And then I start looking around and sure enough, there's petroglyphs or some Mm -hmm. campsite or village spot or something. And I'm like, I found it based on the the echo or the vibrational tones of the canyon and the cliff faces. And so I wonder if, you know, if you get rid of cell phones and the Internet and you're out there and you're you're in tune with migratory animals and you're kind of in, turn, in tune with nature in this flow state and you're out living and hunting in nature 24-7 your whole life, you're like in tune touch with all those senses at a a much different level a lot of these primitive people you figure they didn't even read or write they were their heads weren't occupied with cliches and theme songs to go get mcdonald's and stuff like that you know they're you know they're immersed in their environment like as present as you can get because it was survival you know
0: and using the wide-angle vision
1: Using the wide-angle vision, yeah. And so a lot of that goes hand-in-hand hand with that—the your spidey sense or whatever, your mm-hmm. connectivity with that vibrational harmony. And if you thought of an empire trying to seize power, that would be one of the first places you would go as a primitive person would be towards that harnessing of the vibrational energy. And maybe Tesla was more onto that, and what we get is the scraps with Thomas Edison stuff instead of Tesla's. <laughs> but I don't know
2: that's basically what he said in his paper and i'm sorry i'm not smart enough to uh to, to reiterate everything that he said it was quite a long paper but but yeah deb's what do you, what's your your thought on on that scene
0: i want to throw in another thing that i i in my research about you know ancient civilizations i think um it was also brought up that magnets may be involved with some of these things that there are yeah. magnets in some of these large structures that have discovered to have been moved and sometimes people may have actually abandoned them because they had a reaction somehow to these magnets um so magnets may be involved also they may have figured out something some of these magnets that we use now they may have found some and they may have figured out how to use them um like the, i think it's neodymium is that what yeah. the one that's really strong i've had some of those and even the tiny ones, you cannot pry them apart once they're together. Like you really have to use a tremendous amount of force. So imagine they found a huge one, right? Yeah. <laughs> imagine they found a big stock of it or something and figured out how to
2: move things. So there's some other possibilities, um, but because because even if you do, Debbie, even if you suspend the magnet, you then have to suspend the mass that it's right. holding. So there had to have been something else. There's that- probably know. a I
1: combination would. of things that yeah. we don't fathom. You know, everything right. that we use today is a combination, even like our head-
2: hydraulics
1: and a whole combination. So you wonder why, you know, they also find pools of mercury and different things down in the belly of these uh, pyramids a lot of times. So maybe they were, you know, mercury, uh, can float an anvil it's so dense you know but it's a liquid so maybe they were using a combination of harmonics and vibration and like these trenches of mercury and they could just push it along i don't know who knows but yeah the coral um uh, uh castle is that what it was called where he was building a coral hole? castle coral castle it, yep. it makes you wonder like how how they did it even the way the stones are fitted together makes you think that a lot of times they're they were just approaching things from a, a different angle. They were right. they, they came at the math using you know, a different trigonometry than we're using, that's for sure.
0: Well, I had, a, I had a couple of things I wanted to say about that. The first being, you know, this, DJ, unfortunately you missed the part where we said earlier, how sad is it that we have lost that, we lost that knowledge for a while. Like, why? Why did we have it and then we lost it? That we don't we don't know. It's a mystery, but we had some. We had some technological knowledge. Clearly, even indigenous people uh, today who have survived, um, have talked about, you know, they understood about the stars. They had mapped the stars. You know, the, some of the um, cultures are trying to convey their data. Um, you know, obviously the Vikings and uh, Aust- native Australians, et cetera, et cetera. They're trying to provide the information to modern scientists, right? So Mm -hmm. because they already had it, they already knew it. Um, So that's sad that it was lost. But um, the other thing I wanted to talk about with this is infosound. Fascinating concept to me. Really goes with the whole idea of vibrations and all that. Uh, comes up when we talk about ufos which interestingly enough we've barely spoken about ufos today but although i think it's all related yeah. um but but infosound uh it's, it's those sounds that, like an earthquake would make some people can hear that yeah and some people think that possibly you know animals are not just sensing geomagnetic stuff but hearing it yeah Like the possibility that their their head, if you look at a bird's skull, there's a lot of hollow parts that might be echoing inside their head.
1: Yeah, like homing pigeons and stuff, how do they know where to go and all that. And like mantis shrimp, their eyes, I think we can only see, I don't know how many colors are in the rainbow, 17 or something, but Mm -hmm. a mantis shrimp can see way above that, like in the the thirties, they can actually see into the infrared spectrum. So Mm -hmm. the way they perceive reality is probably totally wide open field of view and and beyond what we can fathom. And that's what kind of blows my mind is that we like to simplify everything and put it into boxes. Like even the fact that we call it sound is Mm -hmm. really the same thing as light, but it just falls on a different wavelength or a different spectrum where the waves are different farther apart or closer together, but it's kind of all just energy in a way that's moving differently it, and it's bizarre to think about. so um, yeah this yeah. idea of, of infrasound and being able to sense it like people who right. are more attuned or maybe maybe even practiced with meditation or come from a different background might sense that genetically because it was important at a time uh, in the past that where they come from. it's kind of fascinating.
0: Or we might have had another um, mutation where more humans started hearing it again, or more started picking things up. You know, there's so many possibilities. But what what's interesting about it is, you know, if you go into sound in general, there are a lot of sounds that we can't explain. Yeah. Um, if you do the research on that, and um, the, you know there's something called a world hum and things like that it's just really interesting so i i've like if they didn't have those cell phones like you said and they didn't have the distractions maybe they were literally hearing things yeah. and that could be manipulated in a way that we don't understand
1: or even potentially seeing things imagine if you're just out there with zero light pollution from modern lights and and living in your house and mm-hmm. having a cell phone up to your face all the time you're just out there in the wilderness in the dark you know and looking for food or water or whatever moving along uh how different your interaction would be with the environment how heightened your senses could right. be so in a lot of ways, you wonder if what what we have is advantageous for modern mankind, but is in a way dumbed down and we wouldn't survive as necessarily wouldn't survive at all if we were put in the same circumstances as back then.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen some really interesting survival shows. Some people might know some of them. <laughs> Which what. Indicate- yeah like survivor um but my one of my favorites i didn't watch survivor very much but one of my favorites and i don't know what it was called was they put a bunch of people in a zombie a- apocalypse kind of situation oh
1: yeah and uh-huh.
0: and they just had to there was only two seasons i think it was too dangerous um they just kind of had to figure out how to survive and i'm like i would never come up with like some of the things they came up with for cleaning water and stuff all i know to do is boil it right but they were like yeah. They were making these gigantic filters and stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to write this stuff down. You know, <laughs> making diesel take.
1: fuel out of dead pigs and stuff. You're like, what the heck? I right.
0: I yeah. don't know, but I don't. I don't know how. I I would never be on Naked and Afraid because I would die. Like, you know, that's the reality of it, right? So, yeah, we've lost a lot. We can't. We have TVs where you can't even turn it on and off without the remote now. Right. Well, I was about... gonna say.
2: One no. interesting thing is we, we, we figured out the Romans conquered the Egyptians. We figured out how the Romans have constructed what they've constructed. Brilliant as it was, at, you know, even to this day, because some of these aqueducts are still providing water in Rome. But we haven't figured out how the Egyptians whom they conquered did what they did. So the, what you guys are alluding to, that chain was broken somewhere, and we lost that, that knowledge, you know. Yeah yeah it's a total
1: it's at the core of one of the biggest mysteries because it makes you wonder like if the earth was in a different place like we talked about and if or if humans because of their different perspective and connection with nature were uh were different and what could we learn about that now if it's something that we've lost that could be reawakened within us you know evolutionarily or we could tap back into that by uh trying to Revisit these places, these hot spots, or meditation and just kind of exploring it um, and what they were onto. I think we shouldn't be afraid of that, but there's a lot to learn from the people who came before us. I think what we have is great and what we're doing with society is great, but if we could, we could also learn a lot from returning to a more spiritual connection to Mother Nature and the universe too. Right.
0: And I think that's a natural, innate part of us that some people are afraid to face. I can tell you that, like, I always have the, the feeling like I'm supposed to meditate. I'm supposed to be doing it. And I, it's like every day, you should do it. You should do it. But I'm not. Like, I'm pushing it off. Like, yeah. I'm saying, no, I got to do this and this, right? I can't. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't want more information right now. I'm already still digesting the last bit of information that you gave me, right? Right. So... So yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot for us isn't, to just- Isn't that a funny
1: clue though, Dev? Like when we were talking about like the stick in the dark that you think is a snake and stuff, like what is that disconnect going on there to where who we think that we are is not really just kind of one thing that we think it is? Like what is that within us that when your hand touches something hot pulls away but then your conscious awareness and who you you really identify with in there as the witness of everything, then catches up to what happened after the fact and what your body did. Like the fact that you can respond and be afraid of the stick in the dark and all that can be this almost like uh, genetic response almost that occurs before your rational mind can even put words to what just happened Right. It's interesting when you start to explore the layers of that um, and even when you look into like going from being awake to asleep and, and who has control over all of that realm and everything, it's very fascinating when you realize that thin layer of awareness that we feel like we're in control of and how well, much really falls it's... under the surface.
0: Let's be honest, we're not really completely in control of these robot avatar like things that we're in. Okay. Like I would make changes if I could. But we're we're not really telling our heart when to beat. We're not telling our pulse what rate to go at, you know. Some people try. Yeah. Um, so like we try to run the machine a little better. Right. But but you're right. There is a there is a separate thing going on all the time
1: even even the fact that your pupils adjust to the brightness of the light coming in the room you have no control over that other than the conscious will to kind of turn towards things and to point your eyes towards stuff but there everything else falls under this level of autonomy real quick (laughs) you know even forming the words that are coming out of my mouth right now i don't know all the nuances of how my mouth makes those words and forms it all on the fly it just happens you know it's just something that becomes part of yeah. your autonomous flow of life and so being a witness behind that in your consciousness when you start meditating it's really interesting exploring all that layers think, of who we really are and what reality really is it's weird some
0: people have implied that when you do a stream of consciousness speaking you're you're speaking so quickly and so much data is coming out that you don't really even have time to think about it. Like, so I know there's the cliche, you know, think before you speak, but it implies that something's pouring out that goes beyond just your brain, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I think there's that when it comes to like speaking, some people you fall into that and you get into a flow state. And it's also like one of the most admired things in sports of all time when you see an athlete Suddenly, we're like, "Wow, they're on fire!" And they pull off this amazing thing. They're not cognitively thinking of every step they're taking and how they're bouncing the ball and how they're the trajectory of how mm-hmm. they're throwing it. They're in this whole other altered state of consciousness, and even which to access that. Even though they're at a high level of athleticism, it's almost like like a pole vaulter going over the pole. That's like a total Zen monk flow state. In order to pull that off, you know what I mean. And, and we.
2: And I can stuff. hear the dog licks. I can hear it. It's so cute. That's Athena. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, 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 we often will ask an athlete, you know, hey, what were you thinking about when you did X? And they're like, I wasn't. I was just in the moment. And those of us who aspire to be a great athlete are like, wow, man. You know, it's, it's, it's very amazing to us. And it just, everything you're saying, if I were to encapsulate it in one thing, is there's so much more... We know so much about our, our body and our mind insofar as modern medicine has come such a long way from when, when we were children, all of us, but there's m- so much more that we still don't know. You know, Deb just yeah. talked about it. You know why, you know, you talked about it, the pupils and why our, our heart, our heart rate moves and, uh, you know, and yeah. jumps up and down. So there's just, uh, it's so fascinating, uh, this, this thing that, that we have and and to bring it, I'm about to depart here, but as I'm going to depart, to bring it back to the phenomenon, clearly they find a value in what this, there are a significant amount of reports that say that they took something from me. They took skin, they took a scoop, they -hmm. took semen, they took uh, material. So whatever this is, uh, not to try to give ourselves an applause or a. A hearty pat on, on the back, but there is something in this biology that they crave. That clearly adds when you combine that with whatever technological leaps they've made is uh, gives them something that they what value they find in it. We don't know, but clearly they find a value in it, or they wouldn't take yeah. it. Yeah, so, you know
0: i have Go to ahead. i have to say the one thing i never really hear about other than some guy who like practically harassed me on twitter and i'm not gonna name him or anything but i don't hear i about,
2: didn't mean it it wasn't
0: you um it was some guy who just kept really b- pushing his stuff on me like and like i don't i don't respond well to that i just will ignore you more but anywho um i don't hear about art from these uh extraterrestrial visitors cohabitors, whatever you want to call it. the others some people call them right you don't hear about art like you sometimes hear about different like outfits that they have but that's yeah. about the extent like even their ships don't really have like that much design you've heard about maybe four or five craft that have any kind of possible writing on it yeah. you know
2: interior decorator it's all very decorators i mean i understand you know i mean we need somebody to come in let's get some drapes let's get some wallpaper in here i'm just kidding
0: i know i'm (laughs) serious like music art the things that we have like you also hear a lot of like debate about whether or not they even have feelings i think they do i think it's a mistake to judge people based on their face um But yeah, like that's that's one I've really would love to know too. They have a culture that goes beyond what they're doing with us, which is experimenting on us, frankly. That's what I think is happening. Like or just needing to survive. Like what is like the deeper depth to these beings?
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. It it could be as simple as like, you know, the fact that our perceptions are so thin. Uh, and our awareness of actual reality is really thin and flipped upside down and all that it leaves so much room for the phenomena to hide or exist or whatever and maybe the ones that come through more aggressively or up front or that don't care about those sensibilities and violate them more with us are more advanced in such a way uh, to where they don't care about the art they're more like That's why you get this perception of like them being insect-like or reptilian or mantis-like, like like emotionless and artless and just focused on the science and the biology in some, some sense. And they would be the ones kind of that wouldn't care if they really left you traumatized or maybe even understand that. And so they would be the ones that leave the experiences behind. Whereas maybe ones that do have art are more more involved in different ways but are more intelligent at staying hidden or they're not so hidden maybe they're responsible for a lot of the organized religions and, and architecture and giant structures that we have all over the planet that are responsible for tons of our culture you know, you know, I don't what
0: know. The, in that book that i was telling you about earlier um, she was speaking to a mayan individual yeah. in uh south america and he said um the guy who wrote uh what was that the book that everyone talks about can't the gods one we're waiting here thank you the yeah somewhat fraudulent guy by the way because he was stealing other people's theories but anywho um not a huge fan of that um but he said Jeb, You're he not did,
2: for plagiarism. How small minded are you? I know. No, I don't. Kidding.
0: He got so much money off of other people's ideas. But, anywho, um, so did Shakespeare, by the way. But,
2: <laughs> hey, sorry. don't say anything about <laughs> Vinnie Adams' family.
0: Okay. But, <laughs> anywho, on, um, so my point was he makes this claim that ET came and did all this work. This guy said, No, that's incorrect. We are the ET we are the people that came and we stayed and so he was saying that uh and a lot of people will say that some of these um these beings look like humans and a lot of them supposedly look like native americans Hmm. um so there's at least one alleged species that's um, ancestor might or may not be the right word that came to the planet and created things supposedly
1: what if it so, uh, has more to do with uh, time travel loops and interaction and stuff like that? Oh, my God, like don't that, get me you know, into that one. That, I'm a not a fan. That's a whole other can of worms, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. But, we, you know, we started off the conversation a little bit talking about, like, the theme of meditations that kind of pops up or the experiencers and everything. And one of the common themes and threads of the tapestry is this a whole... Uh, doppelganger effect or this idea that in these encounters they do come through as either past life, future life, family member, ancestral interactions, or almost like some uh, time travel loop incident that occurs where things are enfolded or you're shown something out of place in the timeline. And I don't know, and maybe the phenomena and time travel are kind of inseparable topics just by the fact of how they travel and move around. So you can't really, it's like the the whites and the yolk of an egg, they kind of go together. I don't know, but uh, it's a, it's a big topic to try and wrap your head around. It's like trying to fathom something right. beyond oh. us still right now. Yeah.
2: I, I want to say something to Carl. I feel like in a different time and space, Deb and I would have been at Hogwarts. Together yeah, in the same in the same house. Except for uh, which, DJ
1: would have been uh, he would have been the student that snuck a gun into the school, right? So no, I like, would not. You would have been like, screw no. this magic wand stuff. I'm going to no, take care of this no. right now. <laughs> no, I'm just no, kidding. I
2: totally, totally not. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm, I don't roll like that. <laughs> I'm just <All> joking. Right. <laughs> I, no, I appreciate it, man. I've actually just messaged Mark Allen. I think he needs to meet you. Uh, yeah. Mark Allen needs to know you. You don't know him, right?
1: No, I don't.
2: You don't. He needs to know you, and he's he's got ties up in, he's got uh, property ties up in Utah, and cool. I just think he needs to know you. And so I'm going to make sure that he he meets you. Yeah, I I'm happy to share a, a dormitory with you in uh, in Hogwarts anytime. As long as you don't mess with uh, Myrtle in the toilet area, there, okay?
0: I was, yeah, I was at Hogwarts this last week.
2: I know. Don't make me. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been there. I want to go so bad. Uh, That's all I think about when I think about going to Orlando, because I've been to Disney a lot. Is I want to go to uh, Harry Potter and Universal. So
1: that sounds awesome.
2: All right, man. I'll see you guys. Thank you so much, Uh, Carl Vibe, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, man? The crust. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> <What's> that? uh. <laughs> That's from uh, Genesis song. You don't know that one, Deb. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> I'll see you guys. Peace. Bye. Bye. See you,
1: DJ. Good to see you, man. <laughs> Good to see you.
2: <laughs>
0: so I, I wanted to um, touch on something else uh, real quick. I know we're, get, we're getting a little long on time, so hopefully we'll have time to address this so another thing that intrigues me and one of the reasons i end up (laughs) having to be anonymous unfortunately is dmt i'm never gonna take it i don't know probably not not until i'm retired right um kind of can't but um what what happens when people have dmt uh to a certain level of dmt Is allegedly they have encounters with beings Um, and they have like experiences that are similar to near-death experiences and it's not just like the elf people think it's just an elf or whatever it's a lot of different beings a lot of different experiences Um, and then I've spoke to someone who's more knowledgeable about these things than me and he said we all have a level of DMT in our bodies already so this kind of ties into the meditation thing, because Mm -hmm. one time when I was meditating, I was kind of told that sometimes you just have to go inside to get more information. Mm -hmm. So when we meditate, we are obviously going inward, inward, right? Yeah. And people talk about, you know, maybe there's some stuff in our genetics Uh, maybe there's like secrets in our DNA messaging inside of these nano avatar body things, right? Um, So I just wonder if like that's what gets triggered if someone starts messing around with like the DMT or something.
1: Yeah, I think it's all analogous. I think there's metaphors for it all the the time. I think even in uh, the different esoteric practices, you have these themes of like, uh traversing the maze and avoiding obstacles to get to the center of the maze or whatever mm-hmm. or going through the labyrinth where you have these mm-hmm. mandalas which are like temples and you're supposed to go through the guardians to get to the heart of the temple or the holy of holies and in and goblin way kings yeah and goblin kings right and like i've even done like out-of-body travel meditation workshops and while you're supposed to be going out into deep space, the path to get there is inward. You're going inward into your own soul. And so it's almost like going through the labyrinth of your own mind into the pineal gland if you want to get into the biology of it or this idea of tuning up your chakras. And really, again, it's like, how many different ways are we going to talk about the same thing, you know? Well, and that's the
0: thing that's cool about chakras is when I was reading or watching The Society of Scientific Exploration videos about the biofield, I'm like, they're basically just giving another name for chakras, like, and they're giving another name for electromagnetic energy, right? So it's all really is the same thing within
2: us.
1: Yeah, and this idea of like quantum superposition, how two things can become quantum entangled, even though they're off vast distances, you start to read about that, and it sounds a lot like... Uh, Advaita or non-duality, these old like 3,000 year old Buddhist teachings and stuff where mm-hmm. like of these principles of oneness, how mm-hmm. how every thought that you have is connected with everything in the whole universe all at once, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of times it's so hard to fathom because we think of reality as being full of just particles, you know, and like how could infinite particles of invisible energy moving around have anything to do with oneness whatsoever but like when you think of it like when you're in a dream how everything is just a user interface that's just a field of energy Mm -hmm. that presents itself as a realm that you can walk around in talk to other people and pick things up and even drive cars and stuff but really it's all just a matrix it's a psychic experience mm-hmm. it's a it's a realm that occurs where everything is one and nothing's out of place and you're and it is you it's all inseparably connected with your awareness and so i almost feel like dreaming at night lucid dreaming is kind of like a clue to our waking reality but we don't quite see the relationship yet in our science and how that works we're, we're picking away at it but we don't quite get it
0: right i mean there's so much like i think about the fact that if you go down to like a a super let's say atomic level right and you look at us we're a whole bunch of atoms all of us cosmic dust that eventually came together but why does the electricity in our atoms keep us connected even after we die why is it we're not like yoda that when we die we just go the electricity is gone we're just going to disintegrate right um why like so there's so many questions so many things you know you're interested in the water levels other other scientists have indicated um you know they've seen other pathways under the ocean of what this planet was like you know they have um maps basically under the ocean in certain areas showing the landscape was different um hmm. so you know we've got all these mysteries that we we actually didn't really give anyone any data today just things to think about unfortunately because what did we come up with Well, we don't really understand our own to, you know, consciousness, we don't understand uh, whether or not we're time traveling or in different dimensions. We don't understand whether or not we have past lives or whatever. You know, we don't know. We don't know anything. Yeah.
1: So the data point is there is that there's tons of room for the phenomena to hide within our blind spots. If there is uh, if right. it does exist and to interact with us and so manipulate our, our reality or to pop in and out uh, as with their craft or whatever. I think once you start to really dig at your own weaknesses and own flaws as far as like, you know, just sitting here trying to open up your field of vision like we did and try to see uh, your aperture go wider to see the rest of the room is like an exercise that you could sit and do for 10 years to try and get better at, you know, and train. And people do that kind of stuff all the time, but it's... it just all it does is point back to how many holes there are in our awareness and right. our perceptions to where you have to just get your ego out of the way and accept that there's, you know, plenty of room for other entities or advanced beings that exist to hide or or whatever or to interact with us or to move around and be a part of us in the same way that, you know, chickens could be living in a chicken coop and have no idea the the interactions in life of the farmer or the rancher, no clue, you know, it's just out of their dimension of awareness. They're just in a different reality. So it's hard to fathom.
0: Well, and I'm, you know, it's just, I'm not always like, I'm not the person who always sits there and listens to an experience or story and goes, I believe everything they say. I'm not that person. Right. Um, But I've read about the pat. I see the patterns and they're just really consistent um and i see a lot of people saying the same things and i see evidence of the same things in different places including government documents because i read a lot of FOIAs, a lot a lot yeah. of foyers right so even if someone is skeptical when you see enough of that pattern you really just have to go okay so maybe there's some sky people
1: doing some stuff okay yeah. some
0: star people are doing some stuff
1: yeah and is that are when we call them star people or sky people is that other other dimensions or just an uh another term that i've heard recently is interfrequential beings which means like we're on a certain density of frequency within the hard drive we're on this section of the akashic library and they're on another one but they have the ability to come and read ours and look around but we can't see theirs or something like that i don't know
0: of leaning towards occam's razor sometimes i'm like what makes the most sense (laughs) like okay and and honestly if i if i haven't updated my page much this week because i was on vacation but when i do the work on my page the the area that ends up getting the most evidence is the cryptid uh ultra terrestrial hypothesis
1: john kills stuff yeah
0: The, the idea that something's been here this whole time yeah. um so that we just weren't really attuned to um and and then i talked to people like dr wilbur wilbur allen and he's talking about living ufos and he's saying that's not the same thing as some of these craft we're seeing there's multiple things going on so yeah. i i guess i lean towards occam's razor for me is there's either multiple things going on because interdimensional and solar traveling beings could both use portals right or
1: they're just here the whole time they're yeah. here the whole time yeah and it could be a it could be degrees of all of that like combined in a certain way when right. you you know in the that's what blows my mind is that even if you go to the beach and you start looking around in the tide pools it doesn't matter if you go all the way in with a microscope you just see like abundance you're going to see tons of different varieties and forms of life and that's what kind of is fascinating too when you look at that uh analogously throughout the universe too then maybe what we're seeing and assuming is ufos with other people on it is really more like like cosmic cellular functioning like what if craft coming to our planet and interacting with our environment and stopping nuclear weapons from going off is more like uh the solar system's white blood cells coming in and intervening and being like nope we're going to stop this infection and turning things off but we just see it as a giant ship with these supernatural interactions but it could just be like a mitochondria coming in to turn our technology off because we're about to do something stupid in there's the body, so many in, weird within the ways body th- of the universe you know? yeah
0: there's so many weird ways to think about this Like what if our whole universe is like a lung and it's just exhaling and it seems like it's taking forever to us, but to whoever's breathing, it's real quick because it's relative. Right. Right. And then like they're going to inhale at some point. (laughs)
1: Like 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 Horton hears a who. Yeah. All this stuff can either really freak you out and give you like an existential crisis or it like, or it becomes fascinating and it makes your reality and existence in it like that much more deep and profound and like an adventure. You know, you're, you can look at it in two different ways. To me, it's super exciting and full of infinite variety and potential. So it's not really scary to me.
0: I feel lucky to grown up when I did, because I saw movies like Inner Space where they shrunk down and went into the human body. I love that show. And I saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I saw some of the first alien movies that came out. Um, and like I feel lucky to have like had my mind kinda open to some other possibilities, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I don't know that everyone got that, <laughs> you know, but and like some people they were very fear oriented who are older than me because they were introduced to all these things with like the day the earth stood still and more of the worlds, you know, so uh the original war of the worlds by the way the tv show was awesome too oh really but, yeah there was a it. good two season tv show uh which covered the idea that aliens could walk among us well before some other shows came out wow. oh yeah we had that other one where they literally walk among us but they look like aliens too and they had the big heads uh that wasn't cone heads it was a different
1: one oh, um, attack on us
0: No, it was a a show. (laughs) That was a fun one. It was a show. It was like a serious show where they just we happen to be living with another species. But you know, I why can't we? Like that I like stop and think about this. Why are we so egotistical? Like we were not ever the only species. Right. Like we've never been the only species. Like even now, people are still discovering new species. But even as hominids, we have never been the only ones that ever existed on this planet. Even in the Bible, there were beings that existed before us, right? Right. Why are people so egotistical and think that this is it? You know, I don't, I don't get it. But
1: that's another conundrum that I have to deal with. I know, right? We just get we get brought up in society today where even our well-intended parents and we do it to our own kids, you know, you try you have to teach them ABCs and name and label everything. And you give them this whole sense of identity. And if they go to public school, they end up with a mascot even and a whole sense of self. And a lot of times they defend it and everything that they perceive in reality goes through that funnel or that, that filter of like Mm -hmm. who they think they are and what their beliefs are and how they, believe and see things you know And you have to be it's good that we have conversations like we had today because when you speculate and you have philosophical conversations, you the idea is not to know the answers or, or to reach a conclusion, but to open your way of thinking. So instead of just looking at something from one perspective, suddenly you're opening that perspective wider, you're starting to look at it from above and from below and from the signs and trying to think around it. Cause eventually then you start to step back and see the full tapestry even more clearly. And I think that's what helps, right. you know?
0: And I think, uh, I'm always going to be one of those people that says, well, find out more, you know, find out more about the ocean, find out more about our DNA, find out more about our consciousness, yeah. find out more about our biofield." you know, all these things that we've talked about, find out about those missing links.
1: Yeah. Find it's out meant to, why It's meant to be fun, right? right. It's supposed to be fun. It's like when you hear the music playing, you can get up and dance and just like really experience how that makes you feel and the music and the people around you and all the levels of that. And it can be really enriching and fun. Or you can sit on the side scared to death you know what i mean or you can try to get out of there as fast as you can i guess it just depends on your approach to all of it
0: right and i'm yeah i think i'm always going to be one of those people that wants to give everyone what i know you know when it comes to this topic because so many people were just shut down when they even they there was it's like it's like a subculture with a revolution we're able to have these conversations now But imagine 10, 15 years ago, or obviously maybe in the 50s would be a better example. Someone having these conversations would be shut down, threatened, told that they're going to be fired, ordered to stop talking. You know, uh, people that are really popular in this field talk about times that they were fired for talking about UFOs. Yeah. You know,
1: it's crazy. People need to be it needs to be OK for people to be wrong, too. That's like what science is, is you reach a million like false conclusions until you have right. that aha realization. Light bulb. Yeah. And That's then funny. the aha just gives you a million new questions. You know.
0: Right. I think the light bulb took like 10,000 tries or something crazy to yeah.
1: get right. Yeah. And then, and then even that, you know, now we're into LEDs and solar power and fiber optics and you name it, you know, it still hasn't ended just because they invented the first light bulb. We're still not using that same design. So that's Mm -hmm. the same with all of it. That's what makes it fun is that we always want to reach the end. We always want to have this arc that comes to conclusion and we want to have a finish because it's like gratifying, but it really, it's just fun to hit those bumps along the way and to keep the curiosity going it's a i enjoy being a seeker and someone that's always curious and i am not hung up on like having a specific answer i just think it's it's fun to get the little sprinkles along the way to me
0: i don't know i I think i'm not hung up on the whole standing at a podium thing because i'm not hung up on everyone's going to have a video that's going to win them over or any of that, because I think there's always going to be people who don't believe what they're told or what they see, no yeah. matter what, right? Yeah. But but me, I'm just hung up on. I just you know want these uh, visitors to be pretty transparent for a while. I don't really want them to play games anymore. Um, I don't really see the point anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're afraid of scaring humans and whatever, but that's happening anyway. Some of them don't care. Some of them hurt us. Um, Some of them are intrusive and abrasive and awful to us. So you know, why don't? How about we get some nice ones to come chat with us, (laughs) like and just be transparent, get over it. You know, just come on. (laughs) I know.
1: Yeah, that's the frustrating part. Is kind of like you, you. We can sit and talk about it and talk about it and try different. Uh, experiments with making contact that a lot of people are being kind of adventurous with, uh, with different methods and approaches. You know, going back to forms of meditation, targeted right. meditation and stuff. But um, it's really it doesn't seem to be up to us a whole lot at a certain level, or oh, yeah. you know, or or we haven't quite figured out that alignment of of set and setting the the location and the right place or whatever was going on in the ancient times that maybe they had figured out i don't know i think you we're know.
0: getting close if not have actually reached a point where we're there um because one of the things that stood out when i was reading that book which i took with me on vacation by the way so i keep mentioning it because it was the most recent one i read but anyhow um you know someone said the sky people say we can't see them the because we don't have the technology well now we're starting to have that technology so we've we've reached that hurdle right yeah um and then we have this ability to communicate with each other that's very very fast probably very much like whatever kind of communication they're supposed to be using um so i feel like we've reached a lot of hurdles let's get on with it like i I don't I could like I said I could care less about videos and stuff I just want an alien to come knocking on my door to come talk to me that's all yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and maybe they're certain aspects of them are not more non-physical and so it's more about like we need to instead of you know waiting for a ship to come down for the sky we need to get different radio technology or something like that in order to tune in to their dimension and I don't know. I, it's uh, I'm so curious about all the different aspects of it because I think there there is elements to each of it that are plausible uh, for all of it, and so the, and and I think the government agrees. You got different evidence of that all over from huge mm. programs trying to listen into deep space and NASA to all the other stuff, but in the end, you know, they also have programs. Like uh, MK Ultra and stuff where they were trying to use human consciousness and amplify yeah. the electromagnetic fields of the brain to penetrate through and make contact that way, too. So you know, that maybe remote, they figured it out already and they're hiding it. I don't know. <laughs> remote
0: viewing went on yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, p- 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 20 years. And the government's yeah. not going to pay for something for 20 years. Oh, it still and hasn't, then, by it the hasn't way, stopped right it hasn't stopped there's still branches of it uh run by military staff and retired uh former members of that original program too um there's some forms of it uh, and there's they're even paying by the way for people like darpa to try to use um the mind to control aircraft like they literally have experience experiments where they're trying to get us to use our brains to control aircraft Sounds like something else, doesn't it? Like UFOs, which is where the where I do like kind of go into that whole future human thing. Like the things that we're doing
1: are on the same path. They're on the same path. How come the same people who formed like to the Stars Academy and who are in the background at Skinwalker Ranch and, and at Bigelow Aerospace, these guys and are the same ones that founded the Stanford Research Institute for remote viewing and all those programs. Yeah. And before that, what did they do? They were laser physicists building satellite communication systems. Well, you have I to just, wonder what the heck is the connection yes. between all of that?
0: Someone <laughs> told me, you know, Bigelow, who was very interested in all this, holds a patent that like everyone has to use, uh, something that he came up with and is just making a lot of money, like, I think it's, I want to say it's a latch system or something, um, hmm. so there's there's money involved in all that, too, so I, I don't think it's all good reasons that the same people are involved, but I will say that I kind of looked for those connections, too, Yeah, and I went down that path, and there's a lot of them.
1: They could. There's, I think it's a mixed bag, too. There's some of them, you know, using like the electromagnetic headsets and Faraday Faraday cages and satellites and lasers and different things to try and like artificially amplify human consciousness to like weaponize remote viewing and things like that. But on the other hand, yeah, maybe they, in the process of that, got a glimpse into contact with these other entities, you know, at the same time. And so maybe it, it became a dual program where they were intending on doing one thing and then they they opened a few doors they didn't mean to or something
0: yeah if anyone wants to go look um there are recorded lectures by hal Putoff about that program and he does talk about some of the um visions of extraterrestrials and actually i think it was um oh i'm not gonna say his name right right now i want to say it's smith or something he was also in that program on the like the more of the army side paul he just came yeah thank you it is paul smith i was like oh, i'm not sure but yeah he just came out and talked about that too yeah. his only concern about it though was when you do remote viewing with um potential extraterrestrial anything that's not on the planet um, you can't really verify like you can when you remote view on the planet. So that's where he's cautious. He said, I've definitely done it. I've definitely interacted with them, but yeah. I can't verify it because obviously they're not on the planet. So like, you know, it's kind of a problem.
1: Right. Yeah. And Hal put off his, uh one of his teachers as well as Bob Monroe from the Monroe Institute that started the gateway experience method, which was a, Cousin or uh, sister program to the remote viewing program at Stanford. Mm-hmm. They were trained by the founding father of all that, uh, Andrea Pujarish. and he, basically, all the stories, the whole show Stranger Things is almost based off of him. Right. Uh, he he had a star. He did child experiments uh, with remote viewing and consciousness and amplified effects and all of that, and so. They, uh, his one of his main students was that uh, gentleman Yuri Geller, who's still around, may you know, but Yuri Geller,
0: controversial, right? Yeah, yeah but,
1: but who was the one of the first students at the right. Stanford Research Institute with Hal Puthoff was Yuri Geller, and these guys were all also laser physicists building satellite systems, and so that it's so convoluted and curious. Like, were you know, were they really trying to understand? human consciousness in order to like project these ideas and control these sort of experiences and hijack them or in the process of that, did they actually stumble across real things, real entities and real interactions or attract it The, the whole thing is very fascinating when you get into it. It's a whole other show.
0: Right, and Nothing if you really. look into how it connects to uh, Project uh, Paperclip, Operation Paperclip, totally it, like if you look at um oh goodness lippish the lippish designs some of them look a lot like some of the uaps like the triangle yeah uh so it's really it makes and then he connects to, through um i can't remember anyone's names today the guy who started our rocket program that put us into space essentially the one that disney Burner, uh, even uh, Werner von braun Yes, thank you. Yeah. Disney even had him doing presentations for them, right? He was uh, yeah. a former Nazi. Oh, my so God. So then you have
1: to wonder, you know, this propaganda machine behind Hollywood and Disney right. and all of and that. Then, it could be.
0: <laughs> have you seen the Disney documentary about abductions and stuff? It was a serious documentary.
1: Wild, yeah. Some of it those was... early ones, it's like they weren't really holding back. And then no, suddenly they really they, did they not. Quiet, they shut up real quick suddenly about a lot of it. And it started, yeah, they had to like shut their thing. ride down.
0: And everything—that was what it was so, for. It was promoting their ride, and like, anywho. But my point is that connects to Yuri Geller, right? And he yeah. said that he was shown uh, UAP parts, and it's implied the Germans were—they uh, got a crash of some kind. Maybe they got the one from Italy in thirty-three, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to wonder what is going on that we're not catching, but you see that there's something.
1: And that, that connection, too, I was just talking about Andrea Puharish, who is connected with, like, Hal Putoff and Skinwalker Ranch and everything today now, uh, is um, he, there's YouTube videos of him, if you type his name in, where he talks about how him and other colleagues in those early days, like right after Paperclip, basically went and stole a bunch of Tesla's, Nikola Tesla's stuff And within there was anti-gravity tech uh, information Mm -hmm. uh, and also information to build devices basically to communicate with extraterrestrials. And he talks about that. And there's, you know, convoluted stuff about them, you know, Andrea Puharish, you know, trying to start a cult based around all of that. And I don't know how much of that is real or not it's really weird with all the stuff they were involved in didn't I mean, know what's true that. or not but it's it's bizarre <laughs> but yeah. it's all tied with mk ultra and all those guys man i it's feel all, like it's so i weird. feel like that's it's what rad, big happened big with, like,
0: like stuff like that happened with jack parsons though he was a scientist yeah. who did like rituals and stuff and had like some weird things going on we were just yeah. trying to connect to other entities and, like, we have a modern version of that that was written about in American Cosmic. Um, you know, his real name is one we don't try to say too much. But he was mentioned as Tyler in American Cosmic. So, yeah, there, there's a... I don't want to start any cults. But I'm just saying there's a trend yeah. there. <laughs> but where yeah. science it's... and this concept, this uh, the subject merge... Yes, definitely. It
1: seems like behind the curtains, a lot of these people that are in these advanced positions, especially like Jack Parsons they're on the surface, they're like, oh, he's a rocket scientist. And here he is on TV and in the newspaper. But behind closed doors, he's doing Enochian magic and channeling entities to get his ideas to build the rockets and stuff. And you wonder how much of that is so blended and tied to all of this to where. You know we're waiting for contact and disclosure but maybe it's different than we think or the methods of contact or something are are more you know kept secret or considered occult or dark or who knows and maybe well, they are
0: ask an artist or a musician they feel like they're popping into another dimension sometimes when they're yeah. they're going into their zone right so yeah so yeah, unfortunately, we're almost at two hours, Carl. <laughs> we have are. to stop. There's so much to cover. We could probably do this for hours and hours and hours, but we have to stop for now. We're going to come back and do this another time, I think. let um, I'll probably bring in some interesting people to get you to uh, talk to them. Um, there's so many people that I talk to when I do these interviews that have such fascinating ideas. But tonight, I think we covered like 10 different hypotheses. <laughs>
1: yeah like, it's good though because you know when people hear it they it opens their mind because I think a lot of people and a lot of the problems that you run into is you have different pockets and they all are hung up on their ideas and fighting I don't care about that I'm kind of like what does your little group have to say what do you guys think what do you think and, yeah. and all of it together sort of paints a bigger picture that I think is going to help bring the truth to the surface and so I want to bridge that gap and not be afraid of it
0: I am also the bigger picture person. I always say I'm not looking at the trees. I'm I'm noticing them. I'm writing about them. I'm letting you know what they are, but I'm more interested in
1: the forest. Right. So. Yeah. Because some people over there are just picking mushrooms. They're not even looking at the trees. And you're right. like, Okay. Really <laughs> I don't want to hang out in that crowd. We're going to go over here. Not, <laughs> you know, not that mushroom people are bad. I'm just joking as an analogy
0: but you know what i mean oh oh my god carl i had questions for you i didn't even get to
1: oh someone's gonna really be
0: upset if i don't
1: ask this question hold I'll on throw me, let's yeah i can take a cup. i'm okay
0: okay let's see hold on let me let me go find the uh, question i wrote down i know that i wanted to know about this uh tool that was used the anonymous rex mentioned to help a friend oh yeah that you you apparently used something he was having a serious issue his bullet had moved from one side of his chest to the other he was having issues uh, out at the mesa and blind frog ranch and and he put something on him to help him recover everyone wants to know what that was
1: it's a i wonder if i can find the link i don't have it here uh it's in the other room but it's um headset that balances the electromagnetic waves going through your brain basically and you can tell when you turn it on it's very subtle but it gives you this sense of clarity so like um and when you're really in a meditative state you can almost feel energy going around almost like a toroidal energy field like around your head Uh and it's just like a nice tool but um, I got it from a friend of mine who makes them. I don't. I, he's probably sold out right now. But he got them from designs from Michael Persinger from the Stanford Research Institute that they were using for amplified remote viewing. So he built them. He sent one to me and he was like, try this out when you're doing your meditations and stuff. And I found that it helped me a lot when I would go When I go meditate, like in a slot canyon where there's ancient petroglyphs and some of these spots, I would get very sick. So I would go and meditate and like sometimes I'd open my eyes and the sun's gone down and it's like five hours later and I'm like, whoa, I've been here. or I fell asleep or whatever. And then I'm trying to hike out and I'll get really sick or be dizzy for a few days and feel like out of sync. And i'll put that headset on and turn it on and meditate for like a half hour and feel totally better like it balances me I right back into diff- my body
0: i i know <laughs> a little bit about this new technology they're doing now with magnets and stuff yeah. it's they used to just electrically shock people i mean like obviously we've said earlier we're electromagnetic people yeah. um but now they're messing with the magnetic side more because it's a little bit less dangerous, but it can't be serious. So I like, I'm scared to mess around with that. Like yeah. I'm, but people do it in more subtle ways with like tuning forks. Mm-hmm. So you could try that also here. Like, I think that is probably fairly harmless. I'm right? a big
1: fan of the tuning forks and sound mm-hmm. bowls and even just a portable right. speaker or headphones and stuff. Right. I, I use the headset, the headset uh, just cause it's, designed to put you right back in the the frequency of the earth and so if i feel like i got out of whack i'll i'll do that or whatever but yeah
0: there's like one track in particular that gets me right to where i need to be when i meditate and other tracks when i try to listen they irritate me sometimes i've even had some that gave me a headache like so i'm very picky about it I, it has to, like, I, there's so much just don't get that vibration from. It's so weird. And, like, I have, I messed yeah. around with that kind of stuff with the hurts and stuff, the alleged uh, healing frequencies yeah. and stuff like that. But, anyway, thank you for clarifying what it was you used. I'm still afraid to use it. I guess I'm chicken, but I know that that's serious stuff when you mess with the biofield. So
1: Yeah, I got it off of a website. His website is Museum of Tarot. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's .com or .org, but you'll know because he sells the headsets. He sells right. Dicenian goggles, uh, those purple goggles that are supposed to let you see people's auras and stuff. Oh, I and want he, those, and, too. there's a few cool things on there that he makes. I yeah. saw
0: those on Amazon, and I was – there were – I don't know. That's cool. Um, okay. So the next one that comes from Elena Campbell – was while the lights on the mesa may have a prosaic explanation, do you believe the science behind them could have been utilized by a society that better understood how sound, consciousness and electromagnetism are interrelated? What is your explanation? OK, so we, I feel like we answered that first one, by the way. <laughs> I feel like yeah, but there's another part. Okay. What is your explanation for the
1: medicine wheels? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, that's what what had me so convinced that the lights appearing on the mate, Mesa were so correlated with the Native American artifacts is because how much they fell in line right on the Mesa is so convincing. Uh, and so, I mean, it's logical that you'd sit there and puzzle over that and let the family did as well for as long as they did. I think that... In the case of the Mesa itself, the lights appearing and the wheels happen to, happening to be in alignment is, is a total coincidence. But what the wheels actually point to and what the petroglyphs point to now, I'm back to scratching my head where I'm like, if it's not the lights on the Mesa, then what is it? Because really what it could be is the oral tradition is that the shaman that is depicted doing all the supernatural things on the carvings of the petroglyphs up and down the valley, that he lived there the rest of his life, and some people say that he died and is buried within the mesa, and that his power still is there, or that he still uh, lives in the mesa, like supernaturally in some way. And that was also really compelling to me to like, well, then why is the Mesa glowing, (laughs) you know? But the lights on the Mesa seem to just be coincidental, coincidental headlights in the distance. It doesn't have to do anything supernatural, but I will tell you there is in that Valley is tons of ancient artifacts, pottery, arrowheads. There is campsites. There's a stone wall that I found that I didn't even know was there. That's, Probably 400 yards long uh, and at some places like five feet tall there's a big stone wall and the ceremonial wheels all there uh, indicate a huge village like a huge settlement that went clear up that valley so what the petroglyphs and the arrows and figures pointing in certain directions point to now is still a huge mystery but I do know that the wheel on top of the Mesa seems to be a center hub to a bigger wheel and that the wheel down in the valley is just like one spoke. And so I still need to go around and see what I find at these other spots in a bigger circle and see what it points to. And I don't know. I could get stopped by the the local tribe in figuring it out, but uh, there is a lot of interesting stuff there there's a lot of ancient artifacts there that are right there on the surface of the ground and everybody everybody that I've taken there has had uh, wild supernatural experiences especially after dark they've had heightened coincidences and weird stuff and then some of them have gone home and had bizarre dreams and it sounds very similar to reports that you hear up at Skinwalker Ranch it's just a matter of peeling back what's real and what's uh being lumped in with what's real that's actually not and so we're trying to figure that out still
0: yeah well what's real is a
1: complicated one that yeah that's a cover. tricky word right
0: yeah that's a, that's the same we kind <laughs> of cover today guys um, yeah. what is real good luck with that one let me know if you figure it out um <laughs> so thank you so much for coming and talking i feel like i jinxed us when i said the longest interview i had was two hours because we're about to hit two hours look at us maybe just... it
1: was just a challenge and subconsciously I was like i'm going to beat that right No,
0: i i probably shouldn't have done that to us because i think we're both yawning on and off we're tired people we worked okay so <laughs> please tell everyone where they can find you carl
1: Yeah, you can just go, if you go to YouTube and type in Carl the Crusher, that's the nickname that I came up with, Um, Then I have a a podcast, Carl Vibe. If you type that in, you'll find me just about anywhere. I've got a website, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, all of it. That's what I do. So yeah, check it out.
0: The good news is, is it's really easy to find you because you have 13 million people following you.
1: <laughs> I so wish 13; that... it's three, but uh, whatever. It's like a so... bajillion
0: people. Is the point <laughs> a bajillion people? Uh, who's counting? It doesn't matter. So, the right. point is that you get your message out there, right? Right. So, thank you so much again for coming and talking to me today this is deb from deb's data dojo part of the calling all beings podcast network i am back from vacation everyone um i hope everyone is doing well and take care if you need to find me i'm at study of uaps on twitter linkedin instagram you know all the spots talk to you later take care